Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Jarrell Gibbs. His work is often sourced from albums he finds of Black American families in the 70s through the 90s that capture moments of intimacy, leisure, and elegance. He highlights subtle adornments found in these domestic spaces, which represent cultural symbols in an era where Black folks created beauty with whatever means they had. He leans into a method of painting that supports the duality of Black people who may not have resources and yet are active and created world-renowned culture and style that are both beautiful and classic. Jarrell graduated with an MFA from the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore, Maryland. His work is in the permanent collection of the Columbus Museum of Art, CC Foundation, X Museum, Baltimore Museum of Art, and the Los Angeles Museum of Art. He is represented by Marianne Ibram Gallery. Enjoy this episode featuring Jarrell Gibbs. Jarrell, welcome to my podcast. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, when did you discover your artistic passion? Um, I'd say I discovered uh, my passion after my father was killed. Which is at the moment was kind of intense, but um, the the older I got, and the more I was able to sit back and reflect on my experiences, that was what shifted it for me. It became an opportunity for me to kind of just have therapy sessions with myself. But as I was going through the process of just like drawing and sketching to myself as a child, after that, I, I really became aware of the talent that I had that I really didn't know about. And then I just kept going with it for a while. And that ended up leading to me really being serious about just drawing like cartoon characters and things that I saw on TV, like athletes that I was interested in at the time. Allen Iverson was one of my favorite basketball players. So I was like always drawing that type of stuff. But to be honest, it wasn't something that I kept doing for a while because just my community and my family just wasn't heavily invested in the arts at that time. So I ended up leaving it alone. How did your art professors impact your practice and your work? Uh, my professors impacted my work greatly. Professor Joan Walter-Math and Professor Stephen Ellis, who were my professors at the Leroy Hofberger School of Painting, which is the graduate painting program uh, at MICA, Maryland Institute College of Arts in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. They were both versed in abstract painting. So their practices were centered around abstract painting. Obviously, mine is and was at the time centered around uh, figurative work. And what they were able to get me to realize as a painter is understanding the importance of painting in itself, the painting, the materiality of the material that I'm using, the different relationships and conversations that you can have through the medium of paint, you know, which was something that I wasn't aware of prior to going to school. 
I think the beauty of my experience and what they were able to give to me in terms of education was just this ability to have and be um, versed in two different languages, figurative and abstract language, and being able to apply the two to my practice. Um, I was really able to pick up on a lot of the abstract language that I may not have had the opportunity to pick up on if I was just in a program where the professor was just showing figurative work all the time. Obviously, my work is centered around representation, but the way that I think, the way that I create my paintings, the way that I'm having dialogue and conversations about the work has both abstract and figurative components. Can you say, is, is an artist, does one form of painting inspire you or get you more excited than the other form? Um, you know, that's a great question. I don't think I'm more, I just like great paintings, you know, like I, great, I like great art in general. All forms of art inspire me and get me excited. But in specific to painting, I love both. Both give me motivation. Both inspire me to create. Again, because I can understand the language of just painting itself, paint for the sake of painting. Like looking at an abstract work gets me just excited as looking at a figurative work. You know, there's just two different modes of communication. But I feel like I'm able to have dialogue with both, which both inspire me. I appreciate that. That's interesting. How would you define your practice? I would define my practice as the exploration of just my life. I'm really interested in the things that I'm interested in, and I'm, I'm interested in presenting those to my audience. I'm interested in um, presenting those to anyone who's interested in looking at my works. You know, I want people to be able to approach my works and see what I um, deem as valuable, who I see as valuable, the experiences that I see as valuable. Yeah, I mean, I, it, that's really what it is for me. I'm just really interested in documenting and highlighting my day-to-day experience, the people that I come in contact with, my family, my friends, the conversations that we have, the experiences that we have together, no matter how mundane it is. You know, I'm really interested in presenting that to, to my audience so that they can understand the value that they have as well from an interior standpoint. Because I feel like we now as a culture and as a society are really focused on the things that are outside. You know, we're focused on everything that's beyond what I feel like is really intricate to who we are as people. You know, our own specificities, our own uniqueness. We're interested in what we see on social media, which impacts, you know, everything that we do and who we become, you know. And I think we're getting away from the importance of what makes us individuals and unique. You know, and that's because we're looking to every other source outside of what we have in our immediate environment, in our immediate circles. So I'm really invested in highlighting that, you know, and um, that's just literally a part of my day to day practice, my day to day life and my day to day experiences. So as you're painting, as you're actually creating, do you think about your audience? I don't think about my audience. I, I really just spend a lot of time thinking about the things that again, I deem valuable, you know, <laughs> the things that I want my audience to see. I'm not necessarily thinking about them. I'm thinking about presenting something that I enjoy, something that I love, you know, and it's that simple. And I'm aware that what I create is not for everybody and that's fine. But I do believe that my tribe is, is out there. You know, the people that may have had similar experiences is that, that I have or 
may have grown up the same way that I have, or even if you haven't, you know, something that could peak of interest will be um, something that you f- find value in as well. I'm just really focused on that. You know, just talking about what it is I really enjoy, what it is that I love, what it is that I care about, and um, allowing that to stand on its own. Was there ever a particular artist that influenced you? Oh my gosh, too many to to to, to name. To be honest, it's it, it's so many artists that I look at today when I first started painting. But I can say, and just being a creator, I think the most, <laughs> I think my association as a child with being an artist was with like Michael Jackson. I, I guess that's the first time that I really saw an artist that I was like, wow, I wish I could be that great at something that I love. You know what I mean? Like it would have to be him. And like my family, my father in particular, always had um, Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 playing. You know, he had the CDs. My aunt had like videos of him, like um, Michael Jackson, like uh, in the Jackson 5 rehearsing, you know, just going through like preparation for shows. And I don't know, it just, I just really believe his greatness really um, exposed me to how serious one can be about their craft and what it really takes to be serious about your craft. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But Carrie Mae Weems was an artist that inspired me as I was diving into what it was and what it is to be a, a Black painter. Obviously, you know, she's the photographer, but when I first started researching a lot of Black artists that I really wasn't aware of, Carrie Mae Weems was one of those artists that I was able to dive into and um, pick up from. She became a pivotal part in the understanding of Black creatives for me. You know, she was a part of that that history that I was really researching and spending a lot of time with. Jacob Lawrence, Carrie Mae Weems, Benny Andrews. I mean, the list could go on for me, but I know for a fact Carrie Mae Weems has had a very special place in just what it means to be a creative for me. And um, to the point now, I'm looking forward to starting a new series, a new body of work that is going to be specific to our kitchen table series. Um, and it's, it's really just going to be about me responding to the photographs that she has in that body of work and responding from my perspective. And it's it, it's really focused on, it, it will really be focused on my marriage with my wife and just us really growing up together. We've been together since we were like 17 years old. You know, obviously you go from being together, being in a relationship to like, if you take that next step, getting married and we've experienced and been through a lot, you know, and I was able to, you know, like in hindsight, looking back on it, I'm able to reflect on a lot of the experiences that we had from the good and the bad. And I feel like looking through those photographs from uh, Carrie Mae Weems' um, Kitchen Table series, I was able to relate to a lot of those, you know, but again, from my perspective, from my male perspective. So I'm just really excited to pour into that and, and get started with it. So let's talk about you when you're working. Do you listen to music while you work? I do. I listen to music while I work and it varies. It really just depends on the mood that I'm in. And it, it really has to do with the work. It, it really has to do with the mood that I'm in. Anywhere from, I mean, I listen to all types of music. Rap, obviously, um, classical. I, I listen to, jeez. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, for, 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 for example, right now I'm listening to, oh man, what's his name? I think it's Juan Gibraltar. 
a Spanish uh, musician, um, an older guy. Um, I've been listening to his music a lot lately. I listen to a lot of just like music that gets me in the mood and that keeps me in the mood and the mode that my mindset is at the time of creating. And sometimes I'm just listening to podcasts. You know, I listen to a lot of Eric Thomas, who is a motivational speaker. Uh, yeah, it just depends. It really, it varies. When do you know when a work is finished? Mm, I'll, you know what? I believe the work is never finished, to be honest, but I, I think there comes a point when you need to stop. And that's just my opinion. Uh, for me, I know that I need to stop when I'm trying to make something look perfect. When I've gotten to the point where I'm literally nitpicking at everything within the pain, I know I'm done because my, my, my process is very haptic and it's very active and it's loose and it's playful. And I incorporate a lot of drawing and sketching and I leave a, I leave a lot of negative space. I leave uh, parts of the, the underpainting exposed. You know, like it's a very haptic experience, very gestural experience, a very felt experience. And when I'm fine tuning, I know that, okay, like I need to just give this up and move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And when do the titles of the work enter the creative process? I would say that it's twofold. It, it doesn't happen the same all the time. It happens in two different ways. One way is I'll either have the title already prepared because I've been already thinking about the work and I already know what this is, what this means. That'll typically happen when I'm working on like a body of work or like a series. But when I'm just approaching a painting and I have no idea what's going on, the title is kind of like secondary. You know, like I'm not even focused on the title. The title is just something that I do in order to say that it's finished, if that makes sense. (laughs) So if I'm working on like a series, I'll have the titles already ready to go because I have an idea of where I want to start and where I want to finish. And it's very prescriptive, not the process of creating the works, but the, the structure of it. And sometimes that changes. But for the most part, like how many I want, what I want the titles to be, because I'm being very intentional and specific about conveying the story and the message. So I have like an idea. But when I'm working on like one off, so I'm in the studio just creating and I get in there and I'm just looking at the blank canvas and I just start working. The, the title is like extremely secondary. And it's, it's just like the exclamation point or the period at that point is just saying like, OK, this is over. This is finished. And let me just slap this on here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel black art can be defined? No, I don't. There's so many different experiences. I mean, we come from so many different lifestyles, so many different generations. I think just art in general, you know, but most definitely not black art, in my opinion. You know, it's just my opinion. I think there's so many different layers to our people, so many different backgrounds, so many different stories, so many different ways of experiencing and and living on all sides, you know, of the spectrum. And I think we wouldn't even be doing ourselves a service by defining it, you know, because it doesn't allow space for other experiences that we may not be accustomed to. You know, like I feel like for me, just an example, I think the work that I'm creating right now I'm creating it because I don't see it, right? And if we were to define Black art, then I would believe that what I'm working on isn't necessary. You know, I would believe that what I have to offer, what I've experienced, doesn't have any value because we've already determined what Black art is, right? So I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice by defining it. And I think that Black art goes way beyond what we believe it to be to right now. I mean... 
I'm fairly new to this, you know, and for me, when anyone referenced black art, when I first really started painting, I immediately thought they were talking about figurative paintings of black and brown bodies black and brown people, you know, and then like the more I spent time with my practice and, and researching and studying and, and just learning, you know, and experiencing, I began to understand that this thing is way bigger than what I thought it was. So, yeah, I, I believe that it shouldn't and can't be defined, in my opinion. And how do you keep learning? Oh, man. Reading. I, I read a lot. Being a student every day, understanding that every day is an opportunity for me to learn something new and being open to it. Whether that's learning through books, whether that's learning from um, documentaries, biopics, just learning about people in general, whether that's learning from my daughter, whether that's learning from other artists. I um, Currently, I have a critique sessions that I that I do at my studio, and this is like the fifth session that we've done so far. And I plan on continuing to do this. And it's just myself and a group of like six other artists and a curator that we're all really close to. And we collectively meet up once a month and critique everybody's work and spend time with each other. We eat together and we learn from each other. You know, uh, we build community together so we can continue to go out and, and build in other spaces with other people that we know and continue this thing going. But we're learning from each other. I learn from everybody. I learn from my experiences, um, just trying new things, doing new things. But again, I spend a lot of time reading and I spend a lot of time talking with other people and um, being curious, asking questions, traveling, you know? Yeah. Wow, that uh, critique session, that's, that sounds like a very smart idea. What are you excited about right now? What does 2023 look for you? 2023 for me looks like me being at peace which is very important because it, it really keeps me mentally where I need to be in order to create something that I feel good about. It is very hard for me to get into the studio and leave feeling complete and leave feeling like I did exactly what I wanted to do. I don't go into the studio with the intent of like, yes, this has to be this way. But I do go into the studio with the mindset that I want to leave feeling like I accomplished something that I'm happy about, that I that I want to send out to the world. And it's not easy, you know, being in a space mentally of like confusion and disarray and being all over the place doesn't help, <laughs> you know, me get to a point or a place where I feel comfortable with the work that I'm creating. So like now I'm at a space of peace and I feel like 23 will just continue that, you know, like I'm already excited about the plans to start the series of works that will be inspired by Carmi Weems kitchen table series, you know, which is a good direction for me. And I have like some some guidance. I have like an idea as to where I want to go. So I think it's going to be real fruitful. I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about the year and I'm excited about where I'm at. Um, I'm comfortable with myself. I'm comfortable with where I am and what I have to contribute to the art canon. And just appreciative and grateful right now. Yes, it's a good place to be. It's so important to appreciate what we have. Indeed, absolutely. I've enjoyed this conversation and I've appreciated what you've had to say, your insights and this whole idea about this critique session. I really like that. So what do you feel is the purpose of art? And as an artist, what is your role? I believe the purpose of art is to express and talk about the things that we all go through that a lot of people aren't comfortable with talking about and maybe expressing. 
I feel like art is the world's form of therapy because when I'm working and when I'm locked in and I'm in my zone, it's no other thing that feels as great as creating. And when I hear music or I see a painting or I read a book or I see someone dancing and I can feel it and I know exactly what they're talking about, that's a great space and that's a great feeling. And it's almost like a relief, you know, like to see someone doing something that you understand what they're doing and it makes sense and they're speaking to you without like verbally communicating. That is therapeutic to me. And I really believe that creating art has that capability. It has the ability to allow people to free themselves from whatever they're going through, through the creation, through painting, through music. When I hear music that is speaking to me, like it, it puts me where I need to be because I know, okay, like I'm not the only one going through this, but it also gives me strength when I hear it. I'm like, wow, like yo, this person literally is saying exactly what I'm thinking right now. And they don't even know that they're talking to me, but I'm able to like free myself from it and get strength from it because it's not like a singular thing. Like we're, we're literally going through this. Even if it's like someone that created the thing like way before I was born, like there was a period and a time where they felt that. And I feel the same way. And my strength comes from knowing that I'm not the only one. And they kept going through it and they existed. So I can as well. You know, it gives me the motivation and the strength to keep moving forward. I believe it really does that. And I feel like for me as an artist, I have the ability and the capability to to bring to the table and to bring to the conversation the stories for young Black men as growing up in inner cities who have been dealt a very significantly challenging hand, you know, just through their life experiences and the way they grew up and coming from a single parent family, coming from a home where your mother is your, your father and your mother because your father is not there for whatever reason, you know? And I feel like what I have to bring to the table is important because there's a lot of young brothers out here that look like me, that come from where I come from, that are searching for other opportunities, that are searching for other ways to exist and to communicate and to express themselves and to be heard. Right. And I really believe that I'm giving them when they see my work and, and just even hearing them talk about what they see in my work and the stories that we're able to have based on the, my paintings. It tells me that I'm doing the right thing and it tells me that I'm speaking to the right people and it tells me that what I'm doing is adding value and is important. It is important. And, and thank you. Thank you for this interview. Thank you for having me. It's been great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram. Instagram.